Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 516 with Elka Marsh. Deciding what you're going to do is is hard and, and not taking every opinion to heart. You still have to be true to your dream. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Wouldn't it be great if you could play music directly from your Spotify account in your own restaurant without worrying about being pinched by the music police? Well, guess what? With Soundtrack, your brand, you can. Unlike Spotify Premium, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack, your brand is licensed for business use. And with SoundtrackYourBrand.com, you can import your favorite music from Spotify and share them directly with your guests. This deal typically goes for $26.99, but if you act now, you can get this deal for $19.99 per month per location for life. Get on it. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. If you want new customers, more revenue, and a huge advantage over your competition, then listen up. My good friend and industry expert, Nick Fosberg, is doing something special for Restaurant Unstoppable listeners. He says most owners are wasting money on Facebook because our industry does not provide enough knowledge, and I got to say, I agree. So Nick is going to take some of our listeners and guarantee them a minimum of $500 in sales for every $100 they spend on ads. If not, they don't pay. Yes, that means he's guaranteeing a 500% ROI and new customers in your door. That's pretty rad. If you want more info, go to ru500.net. That's ru for restaurant unstoppable 500.net. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Alka Marsh. Alka, are you feeling unstoppable today? Since, since the day I was born. <laughs> yes, that's what we like to hear. Before I share a little bit more about you, I want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Oscar, uh, for for setting this up. Uh, incredible dude. He's been helping me. He's letting me crash at his house right now while I'm on the road to do all this. And I just couldn't do it without Oscar and Ashley uh, here and Alan. Great folks. You know them pretty well, don't you? Uh, they're awesome people. Yeah, yes. Really, they really are incredible. Uh, so Elka Marsh has known the restaurant industry since the very beginning of her existence. It all started as an infant when she would be carried in a basket to the family, the family's Dallas, Texas restaurant today. And for the past 14 years, she's following in her family's footsteps as the chef owner of Elka's Market Cafe, which has been named the neighborhood restaurant by, or sorry, top neighborhood restaurant, best neighborhood restaurant? Best neighbor. Best neighborhood restaurant by D Magazine. So obviously this introduction does not do you justice. We're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to find out more about you and how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. Okay. With a success quote or mantra, what do you got for us? Well, I actually have two. One, success is painful. And the other one is living your dream is actually a thrilling nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what do you mean by success is fa- painful? Dive into that. Well, you know, I mean, people think success comes easy sometimes and it doesn't. You don't realize the roller coaster that you go up and down during that time frame to get to where you finally feel that you've made it yeah you know and it just uh it takes so much time and patience yeah that 
um, and people want it too much in a hurry. You know, I, I there's a uh, I'm starting to lean towards the idea that we create this uh, image of we made it right. But I don't know if that ever truly exists. I feel like it's just a, a I think making it is being in a, a, a mindset of just being embracing the, the process, being OK with where you are and being grateful for what you have and not what you don't have. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I think that's exactly true. I mean, it's just like people always say to us, why why aren't you opening up another location? Why aren't you you know expanding? It's like, why? We're comfortable. Yeah. We're happy. Yeah. You know, we don't need any more. We didn't open this up for just the money. Yeah. We open up because we wanted to be a major part of this community, give back to our community be happy ourselves um try you know we had small children we were raising and we still wanted somewhat of a family life i hear you beautiful way to get this thing started so for you this is all you've ever known you were born into this industry so when like i mean i can't have you go back to where it all started because we don't remember infant age like i can't remember being an infant um if you can that'd be really impressive but (laughs) like what are your, your first memories of being in the restaurant industry well, I mean, I remember as a toddler going in and uh, being with my parents at the restaurant, and it was a big market also, and getting to know all the customers that came in and out of the the market and the cafe or their cafe, and um, just you know, I saw every day how business was run. I saw products being put up, food being made, how the registers run. So. Reflecting back, I mean, did you grow up in the restaurant? Were you working in the restaurant? Did you learn about the business at this age? Or I started at thirteen. At thirteen, yes. Okay. Um, what was it like getting started? What was it like working for your parents? Well, I hated it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it was a family-run business, yeah. also, and I, you know, um, we really weren't given that much of a choice to help out when needed. Yeah. Because they were starting out their business also, and um, so you know, when a lot of our friends got to go out and play you know sometimes we just had to work yeah it wasn't an option it's kind of a similar storyline to me like i remember growing up and uh, having to go into the restaurant at 5 30 on a saturday morning and my dad <laughs> smoked cigarettes so it would be i'm from new hampshire and on like a like january morning at 5 30 with a window down i'm like in the corner like huddled up like why i just want to watch cartoons uh but i, I don't regret it to this day because i feel like oh, no. it makes us better do you feel the same way oh absolutely i don't think i am the person i am today if i hadn't had those experiences so what were those experiences specifically that made you into the person you are today can you reflect back on anything that may have crafted who you are today um it's hard to it's a hard question to answer. that is a hard question because i think it's the numerous things one um being taught to be independent mm-hmm. um taking charge of things um, facing consequences when you didn't do your job right. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, your parents are harder on you than they are on their own employees. Yeah. Um, just work ethic was probably just, you know, being taught. Always do your best and always, you know, strive to learn more and be better. Yeah, I think it just, like you said, it, it creates that, that sense of, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, right? And if you want to... <laughs> earn money you, you got to get out there and i think i remember making uh i think i wasn't making a ton of money maybe like seven dollars an hour or something like that but when you're 13 years old and you or younger uh i think i was like 
10 when he would pull me in as soon as I was old enough to stand yeah. on a milk crate. But I was, I had money when I was, you know, like 50 bucks a week, which was huge. I bought a ton of candy with that. You're lucky. I got paid <laughs> as my dad, but I got paid 60 minutes an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but what, so work ethic, uh, what were some of the other things that you really picked up from this, this time as a young person? Well, I learned my passion of food mm. for sure and customer service and, uh, what it takes to, you know, I think that my father was also a very much of a people person and got to know his customers and uh, made him made them part of his daily life. And I think that I learned that same idea about the, bringing people into your life. I'm happy that you're reflecting on what you learned from observing your parents, because that's kind of where I wanted to go. Um, really dive into what your how your dad was with the guests like what did you learn specifically from observing your dad how does that influence who we are today well i mean he he wanted to know everyone he wanted to know uh about their families and um, what they did and uh, just embraced who they were it didn't really matter how much money you had or how you were dressed per se but you know he just he he was a sponge on who people are and i'm amazed because he's almost 86 now and he can remember people's names that and you know their lives and stories that he can tell about people is just amazing so why is that so important this idea of knowing everybody and really embracing who people are well i think now is even more important than anything because our own children and our grandchildren are being raised not to have that part of their day in and day out lives. Um, I think that's very sad because they're learn they're not knowing really how to have full conversations and get to know people. What do you mean? Why? Why is that happening? It's social media and internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There isn't as much FaceTime today as, as there right. used to be. And people, even as far as like answering the phone at work, people, you, you train a host to answer the phone and they don't know how to talk to somebody. They don't. Not even face to face, but just even over the, the, the telephone, how to communicate. Right. It's tough. Um, do you how do you circumnavigate that here i mean we're jumping into the future but how do you how do you compete with that challenge uh well it's hard because like our younger um employees you know when you tell them the phone is not allowed on their person during work hours they can have it on break uh you should see their faces i mean it's amazing they're like what well what if somebody needs to get in touch with me it's like well you're at work you're being paid to be at work yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't get to have your phones and they're like I don't, they don't, it's almost like they don't even know how to handle that. Is this really a conversation that you have? Like what happens if like I get a text message, like how am I going to? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and we've had numerous times where we've had to discipline people because they go to and from their lockers constantly to yeah. check their, their emails and their, yeah. you know, text messages and so forth. And it's a, it's a, it is a battle with these yeah. young, with the young kids. Let's bring it back to your dad and how he really embraced who people were. Um, how is this beneficial really taking the time to, to learn about people, who they are, what, you know, how they contribute to society, what makes them tick? Like, how does that benefit you as a restaurant owner? Cause they come back because we know them and they'll come back and know that we will acknowledge them as, as our customers, but also as part of our working family. Um, you know, I just, I think, that people love to be known they want people to know who yeah. they are why is that so important 
Well, is that important to you? It's important yeah, for me. I want absolutely. people to know my story, and I think people like to tell their stories. I think it was Oprah Winfrey that said, we all just want to be seen, known, heard, or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's true. We want it to is. belong. We want to belong to something. We want to be recognized. We want to be seen. Yeah. And if you want somebody to take an interest in you, the best way to do that is to take an interest in them. Exactly. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with that. So what about your mom? What, what, what was your mom doing? Well, how, how was that split up? Was your dad front of house, mom? Like, how, What was that combination? Um, well, my mom... Uh, um, she was in the business at the beginning, but okay. um, after she had more children, she ended up being staying home that more. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And she was a you know, wonderful woman, but not as sociable as my dad. Okay. Um, so but what about what else about your dad um, that made his restaurant? Because he's still, is he still in business to this day? Still in business, 57 years. So what is it else about this ability to embrace who people are, uh, what taking an interest in other people, what else do you think makes him successful? What else makes him? Hard work. I mean, um, people know what to expect from their, that company, you know, their restaurant. Um, and it just, I just think people like to see people still involved in their own businesses. Okay. So as you grew up, did you get more involved with the family business? Yes. How so? Well, I worked more and worked yeah. in different areas. Did because, you ever start getting paid? Yes, I did finally get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I finally did. Um, you know, I worked in the restaurant as a waitress, back at the house, sausage making, customer service. Um, you know, kind of learned all aspects what of the restaurant. What kind of restaurant was it? A German restaurant? It's a German restaurant and market. So it has a full meat market and. Still we, a scratch kitchen? Uh, yes, and they still are cutting their own meats and making all their own oh, sausages. Man. I might have to go visit them too while I'm in town. You should. I, I'd say interview my dad, but I'm not sure you'd have uh, enough time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so at what point did you start thinking to yourself, I want to do my own thing? Oh, well, that came later. I, I mean, I did leave when I was younger to learn because I I loved the food industry and loved food, of course, but um, I wanted to learn different management skills and then also different types of food. Mm-hmm. So I left for approximately five years and worked in different restaurants and learned different management skills, which I think is really what has made this different. Okay. Our management skills. You get skills. those different experiences. So um, any reflecting back at these different restaurants you worked at, can you zoom in to some of these experiences, good or bad learning, learning opportunities that you had uh, that you can share with us? Well, I mean, one of the restaurants I worked at was a French restaurant, which was um, run by a French man straight from France, and he was very hardcore, um, very strict, firm, not friendly. You know, he was friendly in this kind of odd way, but um, he um, had very strict guidelines to follow. But um, I kind of challenged that. I started off with him in his first restaurant, which was a unique restaurant because it was a tiny little place. And all we had was two hot plates, a toaster oven, and a tiny little sandwich uh, okay. refrigerator. And um, he just did like cutting uh, cheese boards and hot bread and then some soups. And then he would cook the beef tenderloins and we would do cold beef tenderloin. And after I worked for him for a little while, I said, you know, uh, we can do some other things. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I really think that, we, you know, we can do some fun little specials, you know? Yeah. So I started, I, he goes like, what? And I said, well, let's try seafood crepes. Okay. And he's like, 
how are you going to do that? You know. <laughs> so I did it, and you know, he allowed me then after that to start being a little bit more creative. And then he ended up opening up his second restaurant, which sat 250 people. Oh wow, that's and, a big change. Yeah, and we had 15 specials a day. Oh wow! So were you responsible for all those? It, I, with another lady that worked okay. for him also, but that was a blast. So when you came onto this team, what, what was your role? Uh, just to work in the kitchen. Yeah. And when they opened the second location, did your role stay the same or did you get Oh, no. Out? I was it, the other lady, Carol, and yeah. I were in charge of the kitchen. Okay. So were you? did you have the title executive chef or was it not that formal? I don't think it was that formal. Okay. And nor have I ever needed that, needed that yeah. title. Okay. So what was that like going from uh, employee to to in charge, you know, still, were you a partner or were you? No, not a partner, just work. So, but you were in charge of other people. How did you grow as going from uh, the, I guess, the the hourly worker to now the boss of these other people? How how was that transition? Well, it was tough, but exciting at the same time, you know, but I had, luckily I had the skills watching my father, how he handled um, his employees, which, I do very differently than my father, but. Um, Wait, so how did your father handle your employees? Well, I think employees? he he was more of the hard, stern German man. Yeah, okay. And um, I think that the management skills that we have and believe in is more making our um, employees more of our working family and, yeah. and uh, kind and, you know, caring. Leading at that point at this restaurant when you went to the 150 seat restaurant was it, was that your leadership style then or did you had you not developed it yet? Yeah, no, I think I started it there for okay. the most part. I think that you know when I um, communicate with the other employees in the kitchen and so forth, I you know did it with kind words and and uh, more of just knowledge. Even though they knew you know I was in charge, but I wasn't going to yell and scream or. Yeah you know, demand and exactly. be little. So okay. I don't believe, we don't believe in that. Any other big lessons during this time, uh, scaling with this restaurant? Other lessons? <laughs> the, the restaurant, the Frenchman that you're working for. The lessons I learned from him or yeah, just or being in wanna, that restaurant? Uh, <laughs> anything that you can share, shine light on, share value with. Well, the best lesson I learned working in that was that, that wasn't the type of restaurant I want to have. Okay. Without, you know, belittling anybody, what was it about this restaurant that didn't sit right with you? Um, well, it was nighttime and I didn't want the short order and I didn't, you know, even though it was exciting and I loved being creative and at the end of the night I was exhausted. It was not, I knew it was something that I didn't really want to, that wasn't the, the direction in the food industry I wanted to take. So the short order, late nights, uh, new specials every night. Why not? What was it about that that direction that didn't sit right with you? It was exhausting. Yeah. Even at young, even when I was young. But you know, we had I had children too, so that was a hard life to live with children. So how long did you spend with this French guy in his two restaurants? I worked for. I probably worked for him about four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And um, how long did you work for your dad? Which time? From birth to... <laughs> <laughs> so did you end up going back say, to your dad after you left? Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. Um, well, I guess I left about 18 or 19 when I left to go okay. experience so new things. So you're 22 af- after leaving and you realize what kind of restaurant you wanted to work for. Right. Um, because you opened this restaurant 14 years ago, right? 15, so, yeah. 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, 
2002 is when you opened? Right. Um, no, four. No. Yeah. So you went back. To, did you go back to your, your dad's restaurant? After yes, leaving? I did. Okay. And how long did you stay with him the second time? Well, I went back with him um, after the birth of my third son. Okay. Because um, he had opened up a large German, another restaurant. On top of the other restaurant? Yes. Okay. And um, it was down in downtown Dallas and it sat. Do you remember how many people? Tim is sitting right over yeah, here. Yeah, I'm sorry. We should say hello to Tim. Tim is Elka's husband. He's uh, choosing not to be on the mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it sat at least 300. Yeah. yeah. And um, he just needed some assistance down there. And so oh, he asked uh, yeah. asked me to come in. And Was that kind manage. of the, the plan all along to have you go out, get some other experience, and then maybe come back and oh, it wasn't his plan no <laughs> was it your plan oh yeah okay so your what exactly was your plan i'm curious um well at that point I was just go out and get more experience and i don't i'm not really sure what if i really had a plan other than to just stay in the food industry yeah but um when the opportunity came to run take over and run the brewery um it was pretty exciting, but it was scary at the same Who's time. It, it was the restaurant was called the brewery. Oh, the restaurant that the Frenchman my, opened. Or your dad no, opened? my dad. Okay, my dad. Oh, is this the first restaurant or the second restaurant? Second one. Okay, gotcha. So, it's a lot of information. Yeah, it was in trouble, and so um, I went in and. So what was what was the issue? How did you did you did you fix things when you went in? Um, unfortunately, um, to a certain point, but it was beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So, is um, there a, a learning opportunity here? Not to like, you know. Oh, yeah. There's a learning opportunity, and that is don't just open up a restaurant and let other people run it okay. that aren't, you know, part of your family or invested in I don't want to expose family matters too no. much, but okay. can, like, can you give us some specifics, some things? Knowing what you know now, would you, how would you, uh, have done things differently or how would you have uh, suggested your dad do things differently? We won't let your dad listen to this. Um, yeah, right. Um, I Well, I think it's a mistake that a lot of restaurant people or yeah. people going into the restaurant make and they um, hire chefs um, that make them believe they know everything yeah. and they just let them take control without mm. really trusting... They trust too much. Yeah. No, I get you. And I think trust is a good thing. Uh, I th and, I th and I think we need to have trust, but right. we also need to have checks and balances. Exactly. We also need to have a, a vision, a mission statement that everybody understands. Yes. And core values and standard operating procedures, yes. you know. Um, did you guys have that stuff? Do, in that restaurant? Yeah. I would say not. Okay. So, so learning, learning opportunity right there, right? Yes, absolutely. But most restaurants didn't at that time. Uh, you're right. So I'm, you're you right. Know, it's, it's not like he was alone. Um, okay. So moving on, what was, was there another like pivotal or uh, aha moment or I guess time in your career where you really grew or saw things differently? Um, saw things differently? No, because I've always seen kind of the food and restaurant and kind of one way, you know, just the way I love it. But um, I think our aha moment was when we opened up Elkus. So what other things happened between uh, going to try to help your dad with the brewery, um, that not succeeding? Um, oh, what, 
went back to work went back to work for my dad and tim was and, the general manager okay. and i took care of At catering the, the original location yes okay how long did you guys spend there uh, at the brewery? The second time going back to the original location. Uh, till, um, well, I left there two years before we opened here. And then Tim left. Yeah, he 14 was there years. 14 years. So you guys go way back. I feel like I'm going to swing the mic over to Tim. Yeah, we go way back. I mean. Um, 14 years working for a dad. He couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> 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 uh could you mind getting on the mic real quick and sharing some of your experiences of what you learned from him? he sounds like it was a mentor was he not a mentor to you in some ways yeah yeah, yeah i mean you married his daughter he couldn't have been like you know they had been doing something right in the family yeah well, <laughs> i hired tim oh really you stole tim from your dad no oh, i hired, hired him to work for my dad oh, okay okay uh do you want to are you are you shy do you want to get on the mic real quick yeah let's get over here real quick um pull up a seat uh, so this is why I love being in the restaurant and taking the podcast on the road. I can like see what's going on, but no, you, you get over here. Yeah. Get over here. Yeah. Um, so swing the mic over to Tim real quick. Um, uh, what was it? What were the, some of the things that, you know, I, I love that you embrace, um, what your dad did right. You love people at the end of the day, that's what matters. And I'm not trying to, the, you know, bully on your dad. I actually want to pull out yeah. some more of the, the, the good, uh, characteristics of Mr. Kubi. Yeah. So what, Tim, what did you learn from Mr. Kubi? Um, well, like Elka, you know, you learn the good and the bad of how to manage your staff. Um, I'd worked in restaurants through my college. That's how I paid for my college was bartending and working in restaurants and saw lots of different management styles. Um, his was at, at the time, the largest that I'd worked for that had that many staff. He had 50 employees. Yeah. So it was a little bit larger trying to manage that many people and without micromanaging, allowing other people to assume responsibilities to watch over areas where it wasn't necessary for you to watch on a daily basis. You just went to that manager and was able to communicate and, and through them to see how things were going. Um, but uh, it was just a, a very, very busy environment. And when you're that busy trying to put things in place so stuff didn't get looked over or missed where customers would be disappointed if they showed up for an order or something that you weren't embarrassed and they weren't left out in the dry. There was a lot of organizational stuff that I learned how to uh, kind of police your your business. Checks and balances, kind of right. what we're talking about with yeah. the other location, but it sounds like they had to figure it out at this first location. They did, but um, there was a lot of, as the business grew, I think, um, as as we watched it grow, the biggest disappointment was staff. Mm. Why is those, that? What happened with staff? Back in those days, you know, it was there was pride in what you did. Mm -hmm. If you were the head of the cheese department, or if you were head of that, be to this day, there, there should, should but there's not. People mm -hmm. just don't take ownership. They don't take the pride. They don't want to learn the fundamentals of cheese and how it's made and what the different nuances of cheese are. What do you think that is? That's a good question. I don't know. I have some theories, but I don't want to. This is your time to shine. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll yeah. Just, you know, I think we've. There's a great book out there by uh, Tom Walter, past guest of the show, called "It's My Company Too," um, and I think for the most part, we've kind of scaled into a trans transactional society where people come to work for a paycheck, and that's it. 
And right. That's all I'm. That's not. That's not what I'm supposed to do. That's not my job. Yeah. Uh, whereas before, people, things were much smaller, much more intimate, much more transformative, where you were transforming, learning, uh, being mentored, being molded into the next generation of professionals. Right. And it's not like that anymore. It's no. Great. Um, and I think we need to get back to it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's not the, the home cooked meal anymore. There's not the mom's taking two hours to make dinner every yeah. night and mash the potatoes. It's, you know, you sit 15 minutes, dinner's on the table. Yeah. Five minutes later, you're up and you're gone. It's just not the. So you're, it sounds like people just lost pride in being recognized as being on the team of, of the best in this community. We were the best at that time. I think maybe so. In, in, so yeah, today, I, just, I don't want to make assumptions. I don't like making assumptions, uh, but. I hear you. Um, do you want to reflect on that, Alka? As far as um, what he shared about people like, learning their the employees, kind of losing the 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 fire. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to learn a trade anymore. Yeah, that's you true. know, and they um, well, they'll they'll do it if it's like technology. Okay, but even then, technology is so interesting in the sense that. There's so many different avenues that even then people don't, they have to decide which avenue to take. But as far as learning passion, people working for you, even here, you know, it is just for a paycheck. Yeah. And it's like, you know, here when I interview somebody to come in to be an employee, you know, the first thing I say is we don't, we do not have job descriptions here because we're a small company we like you to learn every part of it um and, and and interact with customers learn how to use the register learn how to prep food you know know all the products and you know sometimes they kind of look at you and go i'm not gonna have a job description <laughs> you know i'm not a chef i'm like yeah. oh no <laughs> no no <laughs> okay so uh so i'm curious um you guys when did you decide uh, to open your own place? When did that conversation start? What year was it? Well, it was the year before we opened here. It's like 2001? Yeah. So you guys are working still with your dad, 2001. You're, you're married. No, I'm the, already gone. You're already gone. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we moved out here for the schools for our kids. Okay. And um, saw that there was, that was lacking here in Allen. Yeah, there's opportunity. Yes. Um, it was really small then, but now, you know, independent small restaurants weren't around and definitely not our kind of concept, fresh made foods. Oh, wow, how know, times gourmet. changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but because it was funny because we just opened up with 1,200 square feet. I don't know if you knew that, but um, so we, start, we started with 1,200 square like the feet. the side that's just... Just like, right in the middle. Okay, yeah. got you. And um, Tim was still working for my dad, so... I would come and you know be working in here and I'd have the door cracked and down next door was a little donut shop and every morning there's this old man group that meet there for donuts and coffee and after a few weeks or so you know they would come and young lady what are you doing in there you know, <laughs> yeah we're gonna open up a restaurant oh really and then so we printed our menu up and I put it outside for people to start taking and they're like this one a little old man just said, you know, darling, it ain't going to work out here. Why did they say that? Because <laughs> people don't eat like that out here. <laughs> oh, what was that? What was like that at this time? 2002. More fresh gourmet food. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it was, uh, you know, just fresh. But I mean, I was still doing casseroles, but, 
you know, it's just like a gourmet chicken salad sandwich. They, it's not fried. If it wasn't fried, it wasn't good, yeah. you know. So um, I said, well, I think it'll be okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> they all ended up being customers. Right. Uh, so what was it like in the early days? What were the challenges you had breaking off and opening your own restaurant? What was that? Because you had always worked with other people. This is your first restaurant that you opened. Well, maybe you might have helped the French guy open that other restaurant. So you got some experience there. No, I didn't. I, he opened up and just said, come on over. Okay. So what was it like <laughs> opening your first restaurant? Scary. Um, but, you know, exciting, too. And um, we've always believed that you build up instead of start big and whittle yes. down. I love you know, that mindset. Yeah. Well, it comes to, you know, keeping your customer excited instead of disappointed. So, you know, I hate that when people are this and then next time you go it's like half the menu you yeah, know the other part of that too is you're only as good as your people so when you have to hire uh and your people are only as good as you right, right? so when you have to hire uh 20 people all at once you gotta you're responsible for transforming 20 people for bringing them up to your level right. but when you start small and you only have to hire like three or four people it's much easier to have an impact to bring three or four people up to your level right Was right that, how many people did you bring when you first started we had three yeah, nailed yeah. It. <laughs> three. And now we only have 10. Okay. Uh, so what was it? So any challenges you hit, like any specific like hurdles that you came across that you could maybe, I know even in the past uh, 14 years, 15 years, the industry opening a restaurant then is a lot different than now. But mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you, some of the challenges you experienced that you can share with my listeners? Um, well, I mean, finding your concept that's going to work, um, Tim you is know, also making the money yeah, gesture. Yeah, it was scary because we went to get an SBA loan and we couldn't. We went twice and we couldn't get it. And um, even though the gentleman, the officer that I was speaking with, knew my family history, yeah. knew my dad, um, he was just like, "I'm sorry, we just can't give you money for a restaurant." And so we were like, "What are we gonna do?" You know. And so we took our own money and did it because yeah. we. We don't believe in having investors because, um, you know, we're going to work the hardest. And this is an extension of who you are. And as soon as somebody somebody else's money is involved, right, they start making the decisions. Yeah, like, this is how it works. Right. Um, unless you have an operational agreement in place that inhibits that, but ultimately the money makes decisions. Right. Uh, you also have mentioned that you didn't want to do the big, uh, you know, short order, crazy. Uh, mm -hmm never-ending creativity type of restaurant and honestly like sitting where i'm at this is a very much almost a fast casual counter service concept uh before that was the trend before that's what everybody started doing oh it, i think we were before the trend for sure absolutely and you know we make these little mini cakes i don't know if you saw those over there and you know the big cupcake craze you know, oh, you're following the cupcake. No, I started it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've been making those since we opened. Yeah. And we've, that's why we called them mini cakes because they're bigger than a cupcake. But, you know, it, it's deciding what you're going to do is, is hard and, and not taking every opinion to heart. You still have to be true to your dream. And, you know, I mean, if you really know the restaurant business and you know food, you know really what's going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so why there, did you why did you think that this concept was going to work? What was in your gut that said to you like this is what you got to do? Well, because 
because there was nothing out here like this. It's food like we like to eat. So you had a unique selling proposition. You were different from the rest. Yes. I mean, you, we only, this the sandwich shops out here were just like Subways and that type of thing. And, you know, then there was plenty of burgers and plenty of barbecue, plenty of fried, everything. But um, just not a fun little place for women to come and have lunches. I mean, majority of our customers, 80% are women. Um, but I didn't want a to tea this room. Day, or was that? Um, no, we were about, what, 75% women. Yeah, yeah now. Nah. Well, I mean, just kind of to paint a picture for the listener, uh, take, take us through the ordering process, what the menu looks like, and the whole operational flow of the business so we can kind of understand. Okay, well, you, when you first walk in the door, um, you come up to a counter and our menus are there and you just look at too big of a menu, as Tim would say, <laughs> too many choices. And, um, you know, you have to decide what you're going to have. And then when you, um, when we take your order, we give you a number and we still handwrite our orders. We still hand punch in the numbers. I think that's also a connection with customers. Mm -hmm. Um, we walk the tickets back. We have an open kitchen concept so people can sit on the lunch counter, which there's not a whole lot of lunch counters out there anymore. Um, but the whole restaurant can see the kitchen working. Mm -hmm. Um, then this is before open kitchens were a trend too. Yeah. FYI. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we make the order, bring it out to the table. The people have their number. Yeah. Was that the same way you did it back then with the number? No, actually we took their names okay. and that was another really great way to learn people's mm -hmm. customers' names. And our rule was is to our employees is once you've seen that person three times, you try and remember their name before they even finish their mm -hmm. order. Again, why is that so important to know somebody's name? Acknowledgement. Yeah. People want to be known. You know what the favorite, what everyone's favorite word is? Their own name. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, when people know that you know them, that mm -hmm. that it's that instant recognition. I belong here. I'm yeah. welcome. It's so powerful. And it's it's tough for me because I'm not great with names. So that has always been. I, I'm great with visuals. Hey, yeah. I know you. I know you now. What's your name? What's your yeah. name? You know. Yeah. But we've we've been blessed with a few custom, a few employees that have just been spot on. The One. Gift one time I'm, and they I'm know so jealous of those oh, people. me too <laughs> me too but then we bring their food out tell them to have a wonderful lunch and you know when they leave it doesn't matter if you're in the back and the yeah. you know in the kitchen working yeah it's not unusual for us to say hey bye mary see yeah. you next week yeah so you're you're cooking uh gourmet fast casual type uh not necessarily fast because you're not you're cooking two orders still no, like actually, we have great. I mean, the way we have yeah. our, our menu set up is pretty much everything is already prepped and then just put on the put plates. It together. Yeah. yeah, you just we just put it together. Yeah, but what what are the benefits of that? It's fast. It's fast. Um, you're still st you're still doing high quality food though. Yeah. Mo was it mostly uh, any hot sandwich? Oh yeah, gourmet yeah, sandwiches, yeah. and then we do have entrees, and yeah. then we have homemade soups and yeah. big entree salads. It's fast, so you can do volume. Uh, you can also train people much easier in this type of environment. Yes, but this large of a menu is a little bit difficult. Yeah. If I had to do it all over again, yes, I would probably scale down the menu. And every time we go to reprint a menu, Tim's like, we got to take some things off. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, we can't, you know, we usually add. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, 
At what point did you realize it makes sense to you, you created a system with the numbers? Why why did that happen? The, having the the table number system. Well, because when we first started, we only had three tables. Then we went to how many tables do we have on the other side? Six more. Six so you more. Went from three to six more. Nine total tables. And then now. And we how have, long did it take you to go from three to six? Six months. Six months. Okay, that's a good <laughs> problem to have. Uh, and when did you blow up this wall and create this dining space that we're sitting? Well, today? first we blew out the other wall on the other side. Okay. Um, and that. Um, two thousand five, and then two thousand nine. Two thousand five, you blew out the other wall. Two thousand nine, you blew out the space that we're in today. Yeah. So again, going back to that scaling, right? Like you started where you could. When you start small, there's less overhead. So now you don't have to make as much money to to make ends meet. Exactly. Um. So you you. You know, you got, you let cash flow and people determine your growth. Is that what you guys did? Yes. Okay. Beautiful. I yeah. don't want to. I keep on like I've done enough of these interviews now yeah. that I kind of have an idea of where it's going. Yeah. Uh, but what am I missing? Is there anything I'm missing? Anything that we sh we should dive deeper into? Well, I mean, money's still hard to get, and you know, as an owner, um, trying to the frustrations of employees not understanding how what losses food losses when you drop food when you burn a pot of soup or so forth how how that affects us personally you know the business that the money so people you know. don't understand this no they just say oh it's a pot of soup or i you know i oh i dropped a plate do they still not understand this to, the, to this day is this well, a challenge you guys have or, or have you oh i think this i think it's always that way anybody yeah. coming in here unless they actually have been well even you know, kids coming out of culinary school, they still don't understand yeah. that concept. So like you have to get by and live off of every, you know, and stretch every dollar, every piece of right. uh, product that comes through the doors, yes. the back door, you know, you yeah. have to send just as much out the front door mm -hmm. uh, to make your, your biggest margin. Um, Tim's making some faces right now as I'm talking. Get that I, sucker. Just, I just think they have a hard time getting the concept that as an owner, you don't have a guaranteed weekly paycheck. Yeah. Your paycheck is determined by your sales and your waste, your profits. So how do you? And so when you try to explain to someone that you know, even the minutest of things, if you say, "Hey, why don't you add a slice of cheese to your sandwich?" Okay, if you do that five times a day, three hundred days a year, that's a thousand dollars more in my pocket from yeah. that one little recommendation. And they they finally. Over time, I think they finally grasp it, but they don't understand the sales part of it. I don't think. Yep. To them. They're going to get their 40 hours and their $7 an hour, whatever is they getting paid. It doesn't matter how much they sell or how much they don't sell. Yeah. And I don't think until you're an owner and you see how it hurts your pocket when you make a mistake. Yeah. They don't, no. they don't ever or will never realize that until they're an owner. So what's the, what, what's your advice to, to combat that challenge? Either one of you can take that. I mean, profit sharing seeing the results from making them a part of their success and so your success. Is that something you do as profit sharing? We've always considered it, but we've had a hard time keeping employees around long enough to, yeah. to, for them to realize or mm -hmm. to feel that, uh, there's a lot of turnover in this industry. People just either get burned out or they see the greener pasture yeah. on the other side of the fence and, uh, or they think it's greener. Or they think it's greener <laughs> yeah. And then they come back and it's just a, it's not a career, a lifetime career anymore for people. Yeah. You know, we've been kind of very micro up to this point, kind of in the four walls of your restaurant talking about that. But to zoom to like 30,000 feet and talk about the economy, me just driving around this community, seeing how many restaurants, because when you guys first came here, 
it wasn't what it is today. It's a, it's a con it's a concrete jungle out there right now, and every other block is a like a, a corporate like playhouse. Yes. It's how how has this impacted you over the past couple of years? Do you want to talk about this? Is this uh, yeah. is this hitting too yeah. close to home? No, I think it. I think it has impacted us. Um, I would think that we our business would probably been even more successful if we wouldn't have so many restaurants out here. But because we do live in a community, that does love supporting local. Yeah. Um. So even though they go to the big box restaurants at night, that lunch is here. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, when, when we, the big economy crunch went all over the country and everybody was suffering, we were hurting. And we, we sat down with our employees and talked to our customers and say, if you, if you will still support us and get, help us get through this, we will be here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our employees, we tell them, we can't, there's no raises right now. But, and if you can, we won't cut your hours either. We, we won't, we'll not cut your hours because we know that you still have to, you know, make your bills. Yeah. But if you can see that you can shave an hour off or take off early one week and please tell us. And, you know, we were grateful because our employees at that time, everybody worked hard on you know they would take an hour off here and it and those little things really added up and our customers i might not be able to come you know three times a week but i'll come at least once yeah and it got us through mm -hmm. i mean it was it was tough and we took no paychecks during that time yeah and it's the same conversation i've actually had with oscar too with uh how because he, he's been here for a while as a long well time. yeah and um you know it's just so many restaurants now and it's it's something that's happening not just in allen texas right. it's everywhere across the nation and there's a lot of contributing factors of uh, retail space not working like it used to so developers are putting uh and property owners are putting restaurants into these spaces because it's the only thing that works in physical space anymore yeah. because everybody's going to walmart and amazon to get their their hard physical uh commodities yeah um it's interesting it's it's, it's not necessarily a good thing that's happening out there uh, for small business um but we're, we're not here to talk about that yeah. um anything else that you you want to that you know to be true about your success uh this is your time just to make recommendations or just to, go, to freestyle and talk about whatever is near and dear to your heart. Well, I think, you know, when people see that you are living your dream, I think that's important, but it's, it's continuously being consistent. What is on your, your dream? To serve. I mean, I mean, you, I love people. I mean, I, not just food. I mean, I love, I love the food industry. I love food. Um, but, I love giving back to my community. I love being part of the community. We're super involved with different organizations yeah. around here. And as soon as and I asked that question, Elka's face started to light up just so you guys, <laughs> so I can paint the picture. Another reason why I love being in person. Um, so what does it mean to serve people? Um, well, the different organizations that we take on, I mean, we, we, we have always worked since we opened with the special needs adult community trying to find work. Um, at the time, we couldn't really afford to have someone on payroll that was not actually fully beneficial for us. You know, at that time, we needed everybody to be 100%. Yeah, carry their weight. Um, but we automatic right away um, told the agencies, we work with three different agencies, um, that 
they can come and do observations. They can see how they package. They can see how they bus tables. They can see how they pass food or whatever they want to see these people um, to see if they can do certain jobs. So we've worked with them since we opened. I think that that a lot of people, most restaurants don't do that. Um, our lawyer at the time said, don't do it because that's a liability. And we said, opening up the door every day is a liability, yeah. you know, so no, we went against that. So mm -hmm. we, you know, and we still do that to the, this day. I mean, we have people almost every couple of weeks, we have people coming in to observe the special needs. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's also kind of really weird about this whole idea of the way society works today. Like we label everything, like, mm -hmm. like you're not quote unquote normal. So your, you know, your special needs or like whatever. Mm -hmm. And I guess there are people that do have special needs. Uh, but at the same time there, I feel like these people the, uh, who might struggle with certain things in life are also just incredibly like just mind blowing in, in other areas of their life. Like their, their ability to remember the details about specific things. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced anybody. Like oh, this. it's unbelievable. What, yeah. I mean, what we, I mean, it's amazing. We have friendships um, with a whole community of special needs people, and um, they walk in, they know us, they give us hugs. And, um, you know, I know one young man, he read the Wall Street Journal and New York Times every morning, but wow. couldn't speak a word. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that, uh, knowing the, it's not just the, you know, the, the data as far as your ability to, I guess, I don't know, uh, produce the same at the same rate if you had more high functioning people on your team, but what it does for you to know that you're giving these people purpose, what does that do for you? Does, does that make sense? Um, well, I, I, we have hired special needs now, so yeah. it's just at the beginning that we couldn't, um, giving them purpose. I, I mm. mean, it's like, I will still, I mean, we, if we have one come in, we still work sometimes one-on-one -on -one with them. Um, you know, you want them to succeed. You should see their faces when they have achieved yeah. a certain way of the way we like to package it. And, you know, yeah. I, I worked with one young woman that she wanted, all she wanted to do was bake. She just wanted to be able to do frosting. And we worked with her for about an hour and a half, you know, just piping. Yeah. And that the caseworker was just like, I can't believe you're spending this much time. I said, well, just, she really wants to try and yeah. really wants to work yeah. on this, you know? Luckily, I had the time to do that. I don't always have the time to do yeah. that. But it's that's that's awesome to see. And I don't know. I, I know we don't do this uh, because we, we want to make us look better in the public's eye. But it also there is that sense of people pick up on your generosity. They pick up on your warm heart. And when, when you give, when you exist to serve other people, it comes back. Have you seen that? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean not just with the special needs community, but we work with ACO, which is a, you know, organization out here. It helps people, um, giving them food, the food banks and so forth. And, you know, in the city, we give back to the city and we give back to all the churches and, you know, what we don't make on a catering for a church, we give it to them at cost. The congregation comes and eats here. Mm. They know what we've done because people have talked. Mm -hmm. So it is living the word. Yeah, absolutely. It is living the word. Anything else we haven't touched on yet that is near and dear to your heart that you want to share with our listeners and make them better people? 
better people or better restaurant better owners. The same. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, you know, my thing is, is you got to be true to your heart mm-hmm. and true to people. And um, how do you stay true to yourself and others? I just do. I pull back the layers. It's what I do. No, I. I mean, I just. I don't think it's that hard if you yeah. just listen. Yeah. Just listen. What do you mean by that? Just listen, listen. to yourself. You know yeah. what's right and what's yeah. wrong. You know what you should do and what yeah. you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just making those choices whether to go right or left. Yeah. No, absolutely. One, one last question before we move into the speed round and uh, reflecting as as far as who you are today and who you were 14 years or maybe even 20 years ago uh, as a younger professional, uh, as a more novice professional, how have you transformed? How have you become uh, more impactful in what you do day to day? How have you grown? Well, I think I'm much more patient than I used to be. Um, much more relaxed. How is this? Why is this happening? How is it because of re- the trial and error or is it just because you're... I think some of it is trial and error. Some of it is... Um, your organizational skills have just been worked so well. I mean, you've learned so much from that. Um, consistent business, mm-hmm. knowing you know what's coming, and all the the kind of planning. So, when you say you're much more patient, are you much more patient with people? Much more patient with waiting for change? Like, what do you mean by patience? Patience with what? I think I'm much more patient with myself. Okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, just telling myself that everything's going to be okay and, and saying, you know, you're doing it. So yeah. just, you know, not that I've been always in a hurry to get it done, yeah. but, um, I just think you find a peace. Yeah. I think people too have this, uh, insatiable, I guess, desire to like get now. Right. Uh, I don't know if I use the right words, but I want it now. I want I'm, it now. People like, want, I want it results now. now. Now, now, now. No, I don't think we've ever. And we don't realize that it takes time to get mm-hmm. results. It takes time of constant gentle pressure of showing up and just being there, being present. It's a, and if you just continue to show up, like you say, you know who you are, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And just continue to chip away, you will make progress. You, you will get there. And oh, for sure. It takes years. Years. Yeah. Years. And, you know. Not everybody wants to work that hard either. Yeah. So Tim, curious from the outside looking in, uh, you've had this lovely woman in your life uh, for this whole journey of the 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 existence of Elka and before Elka the restaurant the market. How has Elka the person transformed over this time? Ooh, snap! <laughs> uh, well, I think I think normal one she is. She's become much more patient. Um, she's learned to delegate more instead of trying to do everything herself to make sure it got done right. She was never, she was very uncomfortable letting other people do her recipes and her stuff because she was always afraid that they weren't going to make it the way she would make it. So how has your life changed, Elka, since you've given up this, uh, I guess, uh, or become willing to to give up your recipes, to give up the control of the kitchen, to let people just do their, not control the kitchen, but control the recipe, I don't have control of the recipe, but just to do it on their own. Um, How, how's your life changed because of that? To, for the better. How so? Um, well, because we'll see how better. I mean, it just says better. I mean, I just feel better. I feel confident and and not so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, it took 
certain employees to give me that. Yeah. What you do know? you mean to get to give you what? To give me that comfort. Yeah. You know, it takes a while to find that employee that, that will execute. be your right hand. Yeah. And then your left hand. But you got to be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. You exactly. got to bring this person to exactly. that level. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- they need that too to be, they need to know too that, hey, I'm handing this over to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an extreme micromanager and I still am. I'm not going to deny that. You know, if I walk by and the certain things aren't being cut the right way, you know, I will. And I tell people that in interviews, I'm going to tell you when I, when something's done wrong, you know, I'm not going to yell and scream at you. I'm just going to say, this is done wrong. I want it done this way. You're just setting the standard. You're, you're keeping that standard. It's like Danny Meyer says, I mentioned earlier, that constant gentle pressure right. of, Hey, um, this is where the salt shaker is supposed to be. This is where you had it. We're going to correct it. Yeah. And uh, eventually you'll get it. Well, they have, I mean, employees have to know that you have expectations mm-hmm. of them and you want those to be high. Mm-hmm. I mean, for themselves. Absolutely. You know, so, you know. I, I've loved this free-flowing part, portion of the conversation. Uh, I think we're ready to take a break to thank our sponsors, but is there anything else you want to get out before we do that? You good? I'm good. All right, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. I've got a serious question for all the owners and operators looking to increase revenue and get more new paying customers in the door. Here it is. How many times would you trade a $100 bill to receive back as many times as you could, right? That's a no brainer. Well, here's the deal. Nick Fosberg, who's written one of the best marketing books for bars and restaurants, who's also been a guest on this podcast a number of times now, reached out to me and wants to run an experiment with my listeners. Nick is looking for a small handful of owners who have a Facebook page and he wants to set up a promotion for them. But get this, he wants to guarantee them $500 in sales for every $100 they invest in what he is calling his VOP promotion. If he fails to do this, you don't pay a penny. That's the experiment. And just recently, he ran this same experiment to help the owner of Carl and Chell's Grill House get a 282 offers redeemed in just two weeks with net sales of $14,552. If you're interested in getting more information, go to ru500.net. That's RU for Restaurant Unstoppable 500.net or click the link in the show notes for more information. Finally, a simple, affordable, and legal way to share the music that best represents your brand. It's called Soundtrack Your Brand. Get access to soundtracks tailored for any business. Side note, studies have shown that playing the right music can impact your sales. Do you have questions about what that right music is? Soundtrack Your Brand can help you there too. Here's a fun fact. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening to this already have a Spotify account. Well, you can take playlists from your account and import them directly into SoundtrackYourBrand.com. And my guests are always saying on the show that their restaurants are an extension of their own personal brand. Well, so isn't your music. And now you can marry these things together legally. Unlike Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music, Soundtrack Your Brand is licensed for business use. Skip the hassle of ASCAP and BMI because with Soundtrack Your Brand, it's already included. You can even schedule music for the whole week and adapt the music for each day part. Typically, this deal goes for $26.99 per month, but if you act now before the end of August, you can get this deal for $19.99 per location per month 
for life. Again, that's SoundtrackYourBrand.com or find the banner in the show notes. All right, we're back. And uh, during our break to thank our sponsors, Alka started dropping gold. The, the gold continued to flow. And, and I can't just uh, not let you guys hear this incredible device she has for how she manages. So not just her, but how Tim and Alka manage their uh, their marriage and the business partnership kind of, I don't know, what how, how would you explain it? I don't think no, it's I'm a partnership. It. Yeah, yeah. So how to kind of leave it in the restaurant? Your your restaurant partnership is separate from your your life partnership. How how do you yeah. balance that? Well, first, I hired my husband to work for my father, so we worked for. So we Elka's clearly the boss, is what we're, you're saying. Yeah, well, <laughs> still is. Still is. Um, so actually, we both were working for our fa- okay. my father, but you know we worked together in his restaurant, and then when we opened up this, we we said okay now we are not just husband and wife we are actually business partners and so we we made an agreement that we would keep do our very very best to keep family separate from business um which is very difficult and you've developed some habits some things that help you keep it separate yes yes so when um we drive our own cars to work even though we could very well just drive one um, and then in the mornings when we get here, Tim's usually here before me. Um, when I come in, we always greet each other. Good morning. Mm-hmm. We don't kiss each other cause we do that <laughs> at home, but you know, we just say good morning. And then we go on about our work, discuss what we need to discuss as far as business. We work together all day. We don't always work side by side in the here. Most of the time he's in the back or on the other side. And then, um, when we leave at the end of the day, we always say goodbye and good night and have a good evening see you tomorrow and it's been funny because over the years certain you know new employees will ask other employees go well that's weird i thought they were married and it's like (laughs) well they are but they keep it separate you know so when we get home in the evenings even though we're just a few minutes apart, did we ever, always. Did you ever ask how work was? Hey, honey, how was work? Actually, <laughs> not. Uh, My partner was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, That's when we. Said, yeah. But and and we've worked really hard on not discussing family issues at work and vice versa. I mean, they do cross over, mm-hmm. but as a whole, we don't make it the main part of our lives so what's this what does this detachment do uh, as far as like detaching i want to say detaching but having like a clear separation because listening to you talk it reminds me of uh, people that, that say when you when you're walking through those four walls or those those two that the door when you're in that four walls you gotta take whatever is in your life and hang it on the tree outside right you hang it up before you walk through you, right. you can't let that carry through and then and just having that, that mental check of like go like that, that habit, that routine, like I'm walking through the doors, shut it off. That's, that's outside. I'm at work right now. I need to yeah. be 100% present. It sounds like it's the same mental exercise that's happening for you guys. Yes. And I don't think that everybody ha- is capable of doing that. I mean, even our children, I mean, when they worked for us in the business, we always said, now remember at work, we're not your parents. And we made them call our, uh, us by our first names. Okay. You know, because we said, no, you know, it's, you need to call us by our first names because we aren't your parents at work. None of them really <laughs> ever got that really very well. But yeah. um, I, it, it works for us. I mean, it, it uh, has always worked for us, really. 
I gotta, I gotta clean up my analogy because it just came to me. It's the monkey on your back. Put the monkey in the tree. Put the monkey in the tree. Leave yeah. It, don't carry the monkey on your back into work. Put it in right. the tree and let it hop on your back when you go through the doors on the way out. If you still want it to hop on your back. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Awesome way to get this, uh, the second round going. But here's the first question I have for you in the speed okay. round. What is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Willing to work hard. Willingness to work hard. And that's a gr- I love that word willingness because are you willing? At the end of the day, what's going to make you successful in this industry is are you willing? Because if you're not willing, you won't make it. You won't make it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? <laughs> Myself. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Because of that willingness and, oh. and you know, workaholic. Being and so, too willing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you are trying to grow your team? Well, in an interview, it's always how they interview. If they look at me, their handshakes, their answers. Um, as far as when they're hired, um, you can tell within the first week if they're a match for you, I feel. Um, or you're whether you're willing to continue seeing if it, you know, they will fit in your team, but um, it's seeing if they have the passion Mm -hmm. and really do want to learn outside of um, school or so forth, you know, because in, in independently owned restaurants is way different than working in corporate restaurant or, you know, any kind of country club or, or hotel. So different. Everything's different. So it's a, it's a learning process for them especially if they've come from that so you're seeing if they're willing yeah yeah uh what is your biggest challenge today employment how are you dealing with it work more hours (laughs) (laughs) uh what is uh one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team friendliness customer service it's mandatory yeah yeah and if you can't be as part of our even in the application, if you can't be, you can't be part of our team Mm -hmm. because this is, we want a positive environment, not just for us as working, but we want our customers to see a positive working environment. Absolutely. Uh, Share one uncommon standard of of service you teach your team. So this is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry regarding service. Well, one is trying to always know, uh, get to know, our customers' names um, soon, you know, not just after a year or so. Um, other than that, I, you know. That's a good just, one. We can roll with just, that. Yeah. yeah. It's just service, customer service. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? Um, you know, I read so many different things and I, I can't, I can't say there is one. I mean, it, you've got to take the knowledge There's of There's not life. one, but if you can, you can give us three books. What are three books that you must that we must read to become a better person or restaurant operator? Well, I read Restaurant Industry Magazine religiously, <laughs> <laughs> and I read um, different food magazines, really, for so the industry, a, not not what you can buy on the newsstand, but yeah. more for the industry. So you're more of a magazine reader, industry publication reader. Well, for this in, for work, yeah. Yeah, I read books, uh, but they're more uh, <laughs> fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, real, real quick, hit us again with what those uh, industry trade magazines are. Well, mostly is it is re- restaurant industry. Yep. And then, um, because I also have a retail store, a lot of it is the retail part. 
you know, packaging, food trends, and um, you know the name of the magazine. Is it well, online? one of them's called Gift, and the other one is um, food, packaging. food packaging. Are these physical magazines that get delivered, or do you go online and read articles? No, I still like my magazines okay. delivered. <laughs> uh, Tim, do you have any books that come to mind? The Art of the Deal. The Art of <laughs> the Deal. Purpose-Driven Life. The Art of the Deal. I think that one's on Audible. Uh, I have not read it yet, but it's been recommended before. What was your biggest lesson from that book, Tim? Swing the mic. Here. Just, um, just how to engage with someone and, and get them to trust you as a business owner and as a individual, that you're not just there to take money out of their wallet. You're there to provide them a service at a fair cost and a quality product and so creating those win-win situations yeah i'm not just it's uh, that, not about the dollar that's the art of the deal and i'm pretty sure that one's on audible so if you head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable you can get your first book on me free audiobooks game changer uh i list i never read i didn't have the patience to read before i was i was always a, i'm always a busybody. i started listening to audiobooks i go through two or three books a, a month minimum it's amazing um anyway it will change your life uh get the first one on me what is one technology you've adopted within your four walls? Uh, this is something that has helped you improve communication, efficiency, uh, profitability, anything of those standards, a new technology you've adopted. Real, in reality, we use the computer for our ordering. Um, we do not do social media uh, except on Saturdays just to announce whatever I feel like making that day mm -hmm. for the special. Um, we don't interact with social media. Um, so, I mean, really computers are for the most part, what we've brought into just for ordering. And what are you using to place your orders? You mean, well, most all food and, you know, okay. our food distributors all have online ordering. Okay. So I'm kind of, you know, most anybody else who has a podcast or a marketing or business advice is like social media, social media, social media, social media. I hate it. Um, and here's the thing about social media. It's unless you like doing it, it's not going to be good social media. Right. And I, I tend to lean in the favor of if you don't enjoy it, if you don't like doing it, you only live once, don't do it. And if right. you're present and you're taking care of people inside your restaurant, and not everybody agrees with me on this, there are consultants out there shaking their head, pounding oh, their fists. Oh, yeah, their you know they are. But at the same time, you know, if you're not good at it, it's not going to be good. If you're not, if you don't like it, it's not going to yeah. be good. Uh, you can outsource and get somebody else to do it for you, or maybe empower one of your team members to do it for you if they have a, a knack for it. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of great restaurateurs uh, who are very successful who have pretty poor social media game. Mm -hmm. So we won't be good at it. Don't don't choose to be miserable just because everybody is telling you it's what you have to do. Okay. Uh, that's kind of Thank how you. I feel about I it. I appreciate uh, it. Me like, too. Yeah, just be happy. Um, anyway. So many people are like shaking their head at me right now, but I'm, I know. I'm and I mean, people can't believe I don't have this whole big social media plan and that I don't respond to people. You know, and Facebook if you didn't, maybe and, you might be busier. Who knows? I don't, uh, but I don't, at the end of the day, are, would you be happier? No. Okay. And, you know, and people, you know, people call, you get people that, you know, will do that work yeah. for you. Hey, I can take, I can do this for you. Don't you want to increase your business 20, 30%? And I'm like, no. And they're like, what? I'm like, no. My husband and I are very happy with what we got. I got you. Uh, what is, actually, I'm going to ask that over because this is the last question. It's the last question okay. and it's a doozy. 
If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom. Three things you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your own legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Poor Elka is searching through her notes right now to find <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the I paper. Found she yeah. found them. Go for it. Okay. Love with passion. Okay. Give to others and always give back and never stop trying to have happiness. That was four, but I'll take it. I'm Unless sorry. one of those, <laughs> no, it's good. I thought it was. A you can sentence. give us four. Yeah, give us four. I'm, I'm cool with it. Elka, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, to share your mentorship, to share your knowledge. Uh, I've loved this conversation. Who is one person you admire in this industry? Somebody that you look up to and believe would make a great guest mentor in the future. Um. Well, I would love for you to interview my father. Okay. If he could do it, but um, you know, here locally, um. Well, I would have recommended Oscar, but he recommended me. But um, we've got Bain Brooks, who's also. Got him. You do have him? Yeah. Okay. And the one thing I love about um, us independent owners and Alan um, is that we all consider each other business partners. Mm. We, we're not competitors. I love it. We work all together. Hey, I need an extra chafing dish. Do you have an extra camper? We're business partners together. Yeah. Because we all want each other you know to what? succeed. And I've noticed that it's those who see the other restaurants in their uh, communities as partners, as collaborators, mm -hmm. are the ones that grow together. We well, do. They grow together. They are always at the top. And people look at them and say, it's not fair. They have this click. But you can be a part of it too. Yeah, like, you can just reach out. Yeah. Um, anyway, this has been great. I, I've loved our conversation. Let the folks at home know uh, if they want to connect, I would say leave your social handle or email or one of those things, but you're just not going to check it anyway. So just what's the best number? I don't, I don't know if they want to. Oh, you can have my email. That's fine. <laughs> if they want to call, email me, they can. Yeah. So go for it. my email is eat that. So it's E A T T H A T one zero five at sbcglobal.net. Beautiful. Uh, I'll have that in the show notes. And again, just thank you so much for sharing your time, knowledge, recommendations, and just giving us a, a window into your life. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Elka and Tim Marsh, thank you guys for joining me and sharing your story. I think there's a couple big takeaways from today's conversation. First and foremost, uh, take care of your people, uh, your guests, your your employees. Uh, but I think in this example, specifically your guests, getting to know them, getting to know their names, taking an interest in them. If you take an interest, an authentic, genuine interest, in your guests, they will take an interest in you and just the power of knowing people's names and, and being a part of your community. So powerful. And then uh, the other big lesson from today's conversation, uh, I think, is leaving uh, the work life at work and the home life at home. I think it's really cool what Elka and Tim do to combat that challenge of not letting work cross over to life and affect the 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 relationship at home. They they go to work in separate cars. Uh, they address each other as business partners while at work, and then uh, when they get home, they are uh, a married couple. But it's kind of cool to to draw that line and to to stay focused on business at work. I think that's really cool how they they uh, they practice uh, separating the work and the life there. Um, I think the 
other thing I want to highlight is the idea of scaling. So when they first started, they didn't have two pennies to rub together. They couldn't get a loan from a bank, uh, but they just started where they could. They started small, three employees, uh, two tables or three tables in their dining room, and they scaled over time uh, as they as they grew their people, as they grew their business and their cash flow, they expanded slowly over time. It doesn't happen overnight. Set yourself up for, for success. Make it manageable in the beginning. And as you grow your people and the cash flow, that's when it's time to scale. Um, so awesome stuff today, guys. Like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, Eric. Catchatory in Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. And I'm also on Spotify now. So if that's your jam, you can listen to me over there. Uh, and then lastly, please share this resource. If you know of anybody who's aspiring to be great, Put this sucker on their radar. The best way you can support this podcast is by sharing it. And you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So why not be the average of the most successful people in this industry? All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. Until next time, peace out.